Two movies enter. One movie leaves. This no, three. is... And then, another movie leaves after it fights the second movie. This is the great movie showdown. Today, it's the final round, episode 16 of the great movie showdown, or the final episode of round one. And we have got a treat for you today. It's the sequels that Matt says no one wanted up against <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. That's right. Monsters U versus- and That's the movie nobody wanted. Yeah. Oh, everybody hates Monsters it. U versus Incredibles 2. Oh my it's God. the battle of the sequels today on The Great Movie Showdown. Well, actually, Monsters U is a uh, prequel. Yeah, it is. And it's a pretty damn good one, if I must say. I really liked Monsters U. So I liked Monsters U so much that after I watched it, I watched, watched Monsters it Inc. No. no, like right after I finished watching it, I wanted to watch Monsters Inc. just to see like the differences in the characters and stuff and how far Pixar had come and that even with how they like lit Sully and just all of that. It's I mean, Monsters Inc., I think the film holds up, but there are certain things like with particularly when you have like close ups on Mr. Waternoose's face, I feel like you can sort of see the seams a little bit. Like around his lips and stuff. It's because he doesn't where, have his beard like in Monsters U. <laughs> I mean, he was only in like a still image in Monsters U. I, d- I don't I, know if we've like ever discussed this. We probably have. But isn't it like kind of a bad thing that the technology for uh, Pixar is like so good that like movies that are like 15 years old, 20 years old, even 10 years old still look dated? Like after you watch it, like I don't think there's a lot of Disney movies where, like, say if you're watching, like, I don't know, like Robin Hood, like mm-hmm. you can tell it's old style animation, but you don't like focus on on it being dated or anything. And I think oh, that's like a part of that's yeah, like a big saying. complaint. I, like it's like similar thing with like CGI, like how like Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park, still looks good, but. When you look at like old graphics from the '90s, you know that like it I, ages terribly. And no, I, think, I don't. I don't yeah. think so, Matt. I see what you're saying, but no, I don't think so. Only because there's a, I guess you could say there's a genius in how Pixar has gone about utilizing mm-hmm. their, how do you put it, like their their lack of technology at the time in their ch- choice in the stories that they chose to tell. For yeah. example, is like. The fact that they made Toy Story, and Zach and I have gone over this in a couple of different episodes when talking about different Toy Story sequels, is Toy Story 1, while the animation is dated, it still fits because they're toys. They're meant to look a little bit less than real. And so Mm -hmm. it it fits that style until you get to the human characters, but it's forgivable because it it fits the aesthetic of the story they're trying to tell in that first film. And then – for the I don't even think that you see Andy's mom's face in the first movie. I don't think so either. And then and you just see her from like right. the neck down. And then even in like the first Monsters in Monsters Inc. I'm sorry, the first one. Let's just say like Monsters Inc. Mm-hmm. The animation still holds up for the story they're trying to tell. Yeah, it's I it's think still, it does. Yeah, that's I what think I mean. if like, they were having more well, human characters, it probably would be weird. Yeah, but and the then, only you technically only have like two human interactions. In and I watched 
rewatching a bug's life, you just see how actually in certain shots, it still looks photorealistic, at least the plant mm-hmm. life's run, oh, the way yeah. they use depth of field, things like that. So uh, not not necessarily, but that's just because Pixar has such a high watermark. Like they're just, yeah, right, they're just like, like, it's cool. almost like too good for its, or it's too, yeah, for its own good. Like uh, I remember when Incredibles 2 came out two years ago, there were like a lot of YouTube videos where there was comparing like similar scenes because they had right. like flashbacks. Yeah. yeah. They, were, they were like showing scenes from like, I think it was, uh, what's her face? The invisible girl. I forgot. Yeah. Her yeah. Name. Like Violet. talking. Yeah. Violet talking to the girl or talking to the guy that she had a thing for. And they basically recreated, recreated that scene. And they, I remember seeing like a compare and contrast and it's like, mm-hmm. when you watch it on your own, it doesn't look that bad. But then when you right. like, it's almost like Pixar is getting too good. Oh, that, I see well, what you're like, saying. Yeah, like, like comparing. Yeah. Yeah. Comparing the Incredibles. It's, with it's Incredibles it, like yeah. way too quickly. Like if you, I don't know, like if you, there's not like really a good, Disney animation from like the mid two thousands to like pick from, but even like like Pocahontas like has good animation like Toy Story or uh, Lion King has good animation. No, I get what you're saying because it's CGI and the HD and the level of detail that goes into the characters, even their, down to the fabric of their clothes. Now with yeah. Pixar is unreal. Like, so yeah, it, if you're watching good. Incredibles, if you're watching the first Incredibles film and compare it to the animation style of the Incredibles two, while they're still similar, the level of detail is astronomical. Yeah, but that's only because, but that's only it. It's only in regards to you know, like like I said, the the clothing, the texture of like certain things that are in the frame and so i get all that but at the end of the day it it's not overwhelmingly obvious you're not paying attention to it because they're just really good stories like i don't think one person has ever complained about incredibles one having lackluster animation as compared to incredibles two right as a matter of fact as we're going to get into the discussion incredibles two while it does look better it's a much well crafted film as far as the technical aspects even the score is still really incredible michael giacchino mm-hmm. but it does fall short in the story department so it's going to go down in history as like the lesser of the two so but as zach was getting into and i want to hear his thoughts on it is monsters university apparently is this hidden gem of a masterpiece that apparently no one is giving credit for well, first, I want to talk about how what Matt was saying. So look at look at these other animated films and animation, traditional projection and film and all of that. We're when we come into this digital age of digital, digital cinema cameras, digital of 3D effects and things where we're at the basically the starting point of that whole era where with traditional cell animation it's been around for over a hundred years now at this point and so it's i mean that whole line of technology has basically reached its peak 20 years ago where there's no new developments really coming out of traditional just cell animation that technology or even traditional film cameras like the technology behind that is as far as we can push it basically i mean you might be able to milk a little bit more out of it but really digital is now on par with that 
and in a lot of ways beyond that as far as ease of use, affordability, I mean, the practicality of not having to deal with film that has to be specially treated. And if like you do one thing wrong or it's like in the sun for too long or whatever, all of that's ruined and it's like $500 for an eight minute spool or whatever. I, I don't know what the exact numbers are. It depends on the film stock. There's all this other weird bullshit about it. But when you look at like early CG effects and stuff, and I actually just watched a video, Corridor Digital recently put out like a really interesting video on the original Tron effects and how like for the light cycles and all of those those things, they they had to actually program that in using numbers and the light cycles and stuff were all made just by mashing different primitive shapes together, which for those of you that don't know, primitives are um, like basic shapes that you can generate in a 3D software, like a cone or a cube or a sphere or like a rectangle or rectangular prism. And so they just mashed these different primitive objects that were in these software together to create these light cycles and use Booleans and things to make make this uh this light cycle or the big like giant staple looking spaceship things that you'd see in tron and all of that had to be hand programmed and they'd have to export an individual file for each frame and then they would actually take the camera to film it and have the camera over a computer monitor screen and actually take pictures of the monitor screen because they didn't have a way to record. You didn't have OBS or Fraps or any of this like screen recording software to do that. So they actually had to take photographs of the computer monitor for a lot of these VFX shots. And just now all of this stuff is expediting so quickly. The technology is developing so fast because we have things like the internet, all of these companies talking to each other, learning. I mean, you can make a movie, a reasonably visual visual effects heavy film off of a MacBook now with After Effects. And it's crazy. Like if you know what you're doing, you can you can make cool VFX feature film with a MacBook and do all of the all of the audio mixing, all of the post-production work on a on a freaking MacBook. It's crazy. But there's also this thing where, or the current generation's pinnacle like achievements are the next generation's presets for just stuff that you can drop on footage later on, like doing that that Jaws shot, the uh, the the Hitchcock dolly zoom thing. I don't know if there's a preset for that. I'm sure someone like built a post production preset for that, but stuff like that. If that makes sense. Sorry, what were we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Someone told Zach to talk about animation and fucking CGI developmental whatever, and he just went off everybody. That was awesome. This is Zach's just huge throbbing nerd cock. Just great. I love it. Do you want to get started on Monsters You? Should we... Yeah, uh, do we really. want to start with that or Incredibles? Yeah, let's start with Monsters U. Okay. Monsters U, the hidden gem. Who wants to start? You! I. This is what oh, I originally yeah, wanted yeah. for you to tell me about this movie, but instead could we I, got a full no. breakdown. Could I, this, could, I, 
Could I like just go through my notes real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My notes, they're like awesome. And I'm like reading my notes. I'm, I'm looking at my Google Doc and it says last edited 13 days ago. And like some of my notes are like. You don't know what they mean? Yeah, like I wrote goggles for Incredibles 2. I'm like, what, what am I trying to say about these goggles? Oh, probably something about. Um, yeah, the goggles that they put on them. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember what my opinion was on the goggles. Okay. I just wrote goggles. Let's but let's my, monsters you. I'm ready. My my <laughs> first note was like like the theme that I got from like doing research online and what people like kind of took from the movie was like the message that that Mike Wazowski could like try as hard as he can to be like the perfect scare, like the main mm-hmm. monster that goes into the rooms and scares the children. But just because of like how he is, he can't actually do it. Yeah. And, but like he's still able to excel in other departments and maybe help. Like it was, right. it was basically like a good message where, where you always get like, oh, if you try hard enough, you'll reach your goal. Right. Yeah. But with this movie, it's like, yeah, you could try as hard as you can, but still not reach your goal. But maybe you can do something else that's different. Yeah. But I thought that right. was like a really interesting, yeah. And like message. really, this was, I believe, one of the most progressive of the Disney films. Like, you don't have the weird princess get well, it's saved a Pixar. bullshit. Well, it's yeah, a Pixar that too. Movie. But it's still, like, under the Disney umbrella, technically. But yeah. just saying that, like, you could watch this and relate to Mike in so many ways. When you when you see... Uh, and it's kind of heartbreaking in the beginning, too, because in Monsters, Inc., we're we're just so in love with this Mike Sully relationship and just how good of buddies they are. And then to see them, to see Sully just be like a super big dick to Mike and not (laughs) give a shit. And you see how hard Mike is working at. I don't think any of them were like that. I I don't think I was picking sides with it. I I feel like in the beginning it was sort of like you could see just how pretentious. You know what's funny is, that this is what I was going to get into with you guys is watching Monsters University. I felt like I had seen this movie before because mm-hmm. the the tropes are there of yes. the style, like the sports film montage. Like the yeah. perfect example is there's two movies that come to mind, and for anybody listening, you've probably seen these movies before, at least heard about them, which is Friday Night Lights, right? And obviously, uh, like Coach Carter, and the theme for both of those films is in it's like basically crystallized in the end because what we were Mm -hmm. talking about with mike wazowski is no if you work hard and you know you could just study you could achieve your dreams nobody could tell you no yeah but sometimes things just aren't cut out they're just not meant to be what are you going to do about it you know how do you get over that adversity and it's kind of brilliant to watch pixar kind of adapt that to monsters university and so while I didn't have the same reaction as you. I do appreciate Pixar with with what they did with Monster University and showing real mm-hmm. character growth. And it, it does a good job of showing how that sets the stage for what will come to be in Monsters, Inc. Because mm-hmm. we see Mike, while he's still the fast talker by the time we get to Monsters, Inc., we see how that, that also peels back a layer of sensitivity and adds more layers 
to Mike where he's not just a smart ass and he's not just a witty yeah. guy. He's also hiding a lot of insecurities. He's hiding a lot of, you know, I guess you could say like back of a little term, lack of a better term, a lot of pain in mm-hmm. how he's, he's constantly being rejected at every turn. So he's yeah. developed this really tough skin, you know, and it started when he was a kid and it, and, it, and it's it's endearing, it's sweet, but also it's a survival mechanism for him, and it, it's really good character work. But that's, I feel like Pixar has set the bar so high that mm. someone like me watching Monsters University goes, yeah, that's pretty cool because the shell of it, the the bones of it, like I said, is more of a Friday Night Lights. And for anybody who doesn't know, Friday Night Lights football movie, it's really great. Football team is having a hard time. They get to the big game, oh big championship gosh. game, and they lose. Like, they don't win the whole thing. Same thing with Coach Carter. Basketball team goes through all this adversity, right? They're kids from an impoverished neighborhood. Coach Carter teaches them everything they need to know, and next thing you know, they get to the big championship game. They lose. The point is, is, hey, are you? Is, does this mean that, you know, you're just going to give up everything that you had set for yourself, or are you going to take this hard work and apply it to the rest of your life? And that's exactly what Mike – and Sully do they they basically build themselves up from the mailroom by the end of the film yeah. and we get to see them right up until Monsters Inc starts it's pretty cool so I, I really like the college life like aspect of this like I went into this movie like not really I think I watched it like last summer and then mm-hmm. I watched it again, like rewatched it before the show, but I went in this movie, like not really wanting to watch it. And it kind of like sucked me in. Like, I, I really enjoyed like the college life aspect to it. And like, yeah, and it, I'm kind of getting, this going to sound like a strange comparison, but I almost got like 22 jump street vibes from it. Okay. Yeah. It's like all the different college cliques and people, not really wanting to associate with somebody because they're not a part of this group. And, and I really enjoyed like all the different games that they had for, for the competition. I thought that was like really fun. Mm -hmm. Like the, like you got to run through the tunnel and not touch these things that make you all big. You got to do all this stuff. So like the monster librarian doesn't hear you. All all that that stuff is like so much fun. (laughs) Yeah. I like the gag, but I mean, it just didn't, it didn't do anything for me. It was okay. Yeah. Team building. It was cool. Watch them. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a formula that we've seen a bunch of times before. It's like they start off butting heads and then it was entertaining though. It was. Oh my God. To me though, where it hit its peak, where it was pure comedy and I loved it. Everything involving, uh, what's the one character's name? The the chubby guy guy and his mom. God, that yeah. was so funny, dude. Oh, Anytime yeah. His mom. Oh, shoot. What was his name? Oh, uh, I forget her name already. I, I, I don't forget. know, Zach. I watched the movie two weeks ago because I thought we were going to record then, but we weren't able to. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> we're recording <laughs> now. Cares. Yeah, nobody cares, Matt. Um, oh, I forgot about the beginning. I just saw the thing when you have like little baby Mike. Yeah. Well, baby Mike, and he's yeah. like and he got trying the to go see the thing. And doesn't Ashton Kutcher play someone that Baby Mike talks to? Oh, the guy that gives him the hat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that Ashton Kutcher or am I? Is it? I thought I he was so. too busy like saving people from pedophiles to do any movies. Yeah. Uh, oh, whoa. Charlie Day played Art? You didn't know that? Yeah. No. Well, oh, I yeah. mean, Art's like barely in the movie. Let see. Okay, let's see cast. I'm trying to see Ashton Kutcher. Oh, Helen Miram was Dean Hard. 
hard yes. scrabble. I called that one, and Alfred Molina was uh, Professor Knight. I saw that too. He was playing a version of Bobby Knight, which was funny. I like that. Aubrey Plaza was the Greek council president, which was also funny. Tyler Levine. That's funny. Uh, Nathan Fillion was an excellent uh, jockish kind of guy. He was good. Surprising, though, Mrs. Graves. Bonnie Hunt. Squishy. That was his name. Squishy. Okay, okay. I don't see any Ashton Kutcher. I don't know. I don't remember who said that, but. Yeah. Wait, which hmm. one was Frank? Frank was the older guy, right? The the salesman? Or no, that was Don. No, the mattress salesman? Oh, Frank was the teacher. Yeah, Frank was the teacher, right? Professor McKay? I think so. Or wait, maybe that. Shoot, it's been two weeks and now I. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We also get uh, John Ratzenberger back as the abominable snowman at the end. Oh, I know. That was great. That Didn't was. he like make some joke about like, like basically like saying that he was like a good worker and like, oh, don't want to get banished or something like that, but he ended yeah. up getting banished. I don't remember oh the gosh. exact joke. Um, yeah. Well, we talked about the cast. We definitely talked about the uh, the overall themes of the storyline. Do you guys, Matt, do you have any other notes to pinpoint where else we want to pick this movie apart a little bit? Um, dissect it. I I wrote that it was uh like it's another unnecessary sequel or prequel, but it's yeah. at least like different. I don't know if unnecessary. And I, think, I think it. I mean, I think all these are unnecessary, but it was still fun to watch, and I think it was different mm-hmm. enough. That yeah, and it really like it was a really good development for Mike. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the thing that. It's funny because basically if you're going to make a sequel or a prequel, you have to have a reason for it to exist. And the one thing I will say is this film definitely established its reason for existing, like quite literally keeping me engaged with the story was, you know, setting Mike up on that trajectory to where we get to that climax at the, I guess, the girls camp where Mike goes to the door, realizes he's not scary. And then Sully has to try and help him. And that that teamwork element that they, once again, it kind of, for anyone listening, it sounds like I'm rambling, but the end of the film climaxes with Mike going through one of the doors. And it's this really great sequence because you think he's actually going to scare this little girl. And instead she just, thinks he's really cute and wakes up all the other gr- little girls yeah camp. Mm-hmm. and it's it's frightening in a different kind of a way. scary scene it is because now it flips it because remember these kids are still toxic yeah. at this time they think they're you know quotation marks yeah yeah, yeah. yeah which like, also <laughs> leads more into what is this big conspiracy why right and also what was in those weird pink sea urchin things yeah because it clearly wasn't kid dna <laughs> but it was it was pretty great to see them for the first time doing that terrific teamwork and showing that something that Monsters Inc. as a film possibly just didn't have the time to get into and it was just more implied in their opening yeah. sequence mm-hmm. where you're seeing the actual teamwork that 
you know, Mike isn't just training Sully in the beginning, which is really great and yeah. comical and it's great. You know, I mean, it, it just sets up the tone for Monsters Inc. But now in Monsters University, actually, University, you see it applied in real yeah. time where they're stuck in the situation where the, the only way out is for Sully to to own up to what it is he needs to do and really step up and be it. And the only way he can be his best self is with Mike. So now you, you kind of see that character dynamic. So I get mm-hmm. it. It's and great. With, with watching this, like, so after I watched this, I went right into watching Monsters, Inc. again, as I said in the beginning, and it gives you a whole different perspective on Mike's character. Yeah. When you have that that background of, oh, yeah, he is like really smart and like has done all of this, this studying. And I mean, he does seem he still has that weird like pretentiousness and arrogance about him of, oh, yeah, I know all the stuff of like how to do the thing yep like in monsters inc you have the thing when um the the guy next to him while sully's scaring and he's like operating the door or whatever and he's like man mike your scare numbers uh you guys are doing really good and he's like oh yeah huh oh i hadn't noticed and stuff like that where it's like oh you freaking snide little punk yeah <laughs> still still having the background and being like oh yeah he actually puts in the work to to do it he's not like, like that's like yeah. a good contrast from like sullivan who's is basically like all talent and no hard work he's yeah. like your like your stereotypical like diva well he's he's i wouldn't even say talent all legacy yeah, yeah. He he's more of a legacy well no he has the talent because he comes in and he he like does the roar and then everybody yeah. is like well, he, it's like when you have the naturally big dude as your yeah. linebacker no, that no. doesn't necessarily have to train hard. No, 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 that's got a point, though, because the point is, is that he, he's got that modicum of talent based on the fact that mm-hmm. he does come from a legacy. So he's got that talent, but it's it's basically it's not honed in. He's not doing anything right. about it. And he's just kind of skating by on the bare minimum. He's not putting in any effort. And yeah. Mike, Mike pushes him, Mike helps him be the best version of himself, mm-hmm. which, once again, the film does a good job of. Of that, it's just to me, I can't get over the fact that this also could have been like, honestly, it could have been a 30 minute short. No, like I, nah. I, I could I could cut a lot of that. I felt no. like it was paced I thought really it well. Was, I, I thought it was fun. Like it's yeah. like I, know, I, I feel but, like it was interesting throughout, which is right. like a lot better than what we can say about a lot of the other like Pixar prequels. Honestly, um, I feel like this was one of the most human films, which but feels it's weird about to say. Monsters. Yeah, but it felt like one of the most relatable. Like I felt like this was a lot more relatable than Incredibles 2. Yeah. Well, definitely more relatable than Incredibles 2, which we'll get yeah. into. Good segue, by the way. I do want to get into Incredibles 2. Yeah, yeah I kind of want to jump between the two of these a little no, bit. No, that's fine. Let's do it. I like that transition. Good yeah. job. Could I could I go through my notes real quick? Yeah. Yeah. My 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 shitty notes that everybody's like probably sick of. Yes. But Man, Matt's okay. notes, my least favorite segment of the show. Unsubscribe. I'm just kidding. Let's do the notes. <laughs> Who said that? Uh that guy from Reddit. Yeah, really. Oh God. Come on. All right. Incredibles 2, go. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, so my first note is Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I 
so I'm just speaking as like a fan of the Incredibles. Like, yeah, we all wanted to see this family like fight together, and I'm okay yep. with the Mister Incredible like running the family and that being a thing. But I feel like it took up way too much of the movie. Like yeah. maybe if it was like half the amount, and he actually had something important to do in the movie, it would be better. Or maybe. Like the family, they were still doing stuff, but the mom had the most important mission. Yep. Like that would have been fun. Yeah. And I, I love all the action scenes. I think all the action scenes are great. I just yeah. think like with the plot and it's it's like kind of weird like criticizing this movie because like I like just by Googling it and like going on the Wikipedia page, it said it had like a 93% on Rotten Tomato. But it's a very a, good movie. There's like a lot of people that have like critical things to say about it. Mm-hmm. But I think like the major complaints are like, I think the villains are a big problem. Oh, it's a huge yeah. problem. See, this is where my problems come in with it is number one, Matt, you hit on the head is we all expected Incredibles 2. That's plural, quite literally, as in Incredibles. Now, in the first film, you had a reason. Everything was underground, and you know, Mr. Incredible was doing his thing. And then once the plot of the villain became revealed, we got basically a whole half of the film was the Incredibles kind of slowly forming into the super team where we get that great shot before Syndrome kind of freezes them all together. And he has that great line where he's like, Oh, Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl. Oh, and they got busy. So like that's a good <laughs> chunk of the film that we have basically mm-hmm. our title characters doing title characterish things, which is great. But right. by Incredibles 2 kind of going back to that now it's putting that formula on its head. Oh, well, you know, superheroes still haven't got all the way only this time. Their last girl tracks better and all this stuff, which does a good thing as far as like marketing and stuff like that. Pixar is definitely going into their bag of being time. Yeah, it felt, it felt like they were trying to uh, be progressive. Yeah. And, and, and or not, it almost felt like that might have been a weird executive well, choice. And well, they the were just is, trying to sort of backhandedly. I don't, right. I don't have a problem that with note. I don't have a problem with Elastigirl doing what she was doing as far as like being pushed to the forefront for tracking mm. reasons. Like it was kind of cool. And they got to use this aspect of, like I said, of marketing it and showing that it's not necessarily a great positive change to change everything about her so that she markets better and she can mm. like do this. So I got that. But the worst part, and this is where we get into the villains, is once you find out the main motivation – of the sister of the guy and the backstory with the dad and the fucking phone. Oh my God. (laughs) The phone. Put the phone in the goddamn safe house. What the fuck? There are so many alternatives. Like, yeah, put the phone in the safe house. How about this? Don't get the phone. Call the police. Yes. Get a gun or just go. Well, why wouldn't you have a phone in the safe room? Yeah. Like it's, there's so many things wrong with that. Like writers, writers, Brad Bird, great director. You are such a great director. You are such a good storyteller. You've written so many good stories. 
What the fuck? I don't know. Maybe maybe in the eighties it was different. Is this the eighties? I think no, it takes it's place still in the sixties. It's no. There's oh, no excuse for that. That's just oh, idiocy so. and that's lazy writing. It's not. Yeah, I guess good. the Art Deco. Yeah. It's not good. And like sixties. Once again, you get so many great sequences with Elastigirl and the yes. villain. But once the villain's main motivations are revealed, even then, it's just weak. It's just not good like that scream slaver was like the main villain and there was actually mm. like yeah, a scream slaver i feel like it would be better i just yeah that would be cool if there was an actual screen slaver but instead we got that yeah. it, like well, it's terrible I mean, a thing with these films is i feel like there's a solid argument that can be made especially with the first film of these not being superhero films these feel like james bond spy movies hell yeah just Bradford with, even made a uh, Mission just, Impossible Four. Yeah, yeah, but they're they're spy movies dressed in this superhero backdrop. Yep. Like I don't even think like Elastigirl having all this action is like the complaint. It's just like here's I mean, no like like all cool. those scenes. Yeah, all those scenes are good. It's just. We came to see the Incredibles, not just one of them. Like, like we, we don't want to see, we don't want to see like Mister Incredible, like, like even like back in the original movie, like yeah. you would see like Elastigirl would like run the family, and you would see like tiny scenes, like Matt. even if it if it was Mister Incredible, and like the scenes were cut in half, like that would be better. And if we had like a real villain that well, wasn't no, Matt, like another Matt. secret one, okay, well, what? I don't want to cut you off, but like yeah. I just want to encapsulate what you're saying because I feel like you're saying the same thing. That here's best point I can give you is Jack Jack's attack with the raccoon, right? Yeah, we all remember. They only put that in the main film because everyone remembers the little mini movie that came with the DVD. But now they put it in the film and it just messes up the pacing and you get that great scene with, you Wait, know, what? Mr. Incredible, like seeing that Jack Jack has all the powers. But when Jack, little baby Jack Jack fights a raccoon, I'm laughing my ass off. It's great. But if that you actually think of it from a film pr- perspective, no, no, it doesn't do anything. It does nothing. It's like, like when yeah. You, I, I feel like that scene would be okay, but maybe like all the other scenes where like he's well, like going is, crazy and like flying through the roof and landing in the yeah. pool or think about it this Frozone way. Think has about this to way. come you, to help. Yeah. Like that scene's right. all right. I just feel like there's there's another version of this film when you don't mm. have Jack Jack and a raccoon ticking up any valuable story time, anything. I mean, like I that. thought it and was a fun have, scene. It's a fun scene, but like I'm saying, the film takes these divergent aspects mm. to its story to where it's just now placating to the audience. Like, hey, you remember when we made that short film Jack Jack Attack? Look at this. Now we're doing another version of that, and it's actually in the film, and it doesn't it doesn't feel like well. it's. A, a story driven or like a creative choice that really organically helps the story. Cause I got to admit there's only really one cool sequence that to me stands out. The motorcycle, the motorcycle sequence, but the also you know, when the kids really cool. and Frozone are up against all those villains in the house. Yeah. And it's a visual like feast for the eyes, particularly when um, Dash is like running through all the portals and stuff and the kids have to get out. Like there's real elements of danger and it was cool and I liked it and it's thrilling. <laughs> and then obviously when you get on the boat, that can be really cool. Um, I, it, it's like cool, but I, yeah. I, I don't like the whole entire plot where it's you put nope. goggles and then you change them to different people. Okay, that's my point, by the way, with Jack-Jack and the raccoon. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for helping me find my reason. Like it's cool, but it just doesn't – 
it doesn't yeah. have the same impact. Doesn't do anything. Like do we needed question. like a real villain. We didn't need a secret villain. No. So at the end of the first film, it's established that Jack Jack has powers, and yep. they basically see that happen, yep. right? But then in this movie, it's like they never saw him turn into like a fire baby, and then a think... metal Mario baby, and get away from um, syndrome. So I don't I don't know for sure if they saw it. I know they make really a note about it. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know that he did that. And then they also had like the voicemail from the babysitter where like yeah. she's freaking out about Jack Jack and you can like hear stuff, but And don't it, forget the 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 film also I'm sorry, the little mini movie also showed that uh Decker, the the agent talked yeah. to the babysitter and she told him so you would think he would have told them like hey we have this audio he do recording the of like MIB neuralizer thing yeah on. and like he would have told them like your baby has powers or something like you would think that he would or that they would have a conversation exactly I so, did really like his character also I want to say like the opening for this film was awesome yeah yeah just how they opened it with uh what's yeah, his name Johnny Rogers in the uh in the the interrogation room and Decker's talking to him about what he saw and it uh-huh. picking up from right at the end of the movie and you're getting like his side right before he neuralizes him. It's a, yeah. it's a really cool way to deliver that that sequence. Yeah. You could and tell it just that they opens up feeling like that cool intense spy movie in the Incredibles world that we all kind of enjoy. Yeah. I, feel, I feel like a lot of the plot lines like turn into maybe almost like 80s sitcom plot lines where we yeah. don't really need that in a movie. Not saying this movie's from the 80s, but but saying like <laughs> it's like your your tropes of like, oh, a guy like I want a guy to like me or oh, I need to go do well in new math. They change math. Oh and yeah, it, that like, was funny. And again, like, I remember having math where my teacher would be like, "Now, don't ask your parents for help on this because they're not going to know how to do it because it's new math." My God, <laughs> no, but- I, know, I related to that stuff because I'm a dad and I'm literally stuck home doing helping the kids with their homework. So I get all that, but I once again, it, it could be in the movie, but it can't like take up that much of the movie. Yes, it yeah. just to me, it just doesn't. It just doesn't do much for me. I feel like it, it, it. It's not what I expected from the film, which is kind of messed up because I have this this credo that I live by, which is I want the film to tell me what it wants to be and I'll judge it yeah. for that. But I have to admit the film, as Zach, you pointed out, opens up so strong that you're thinking, mm-hmm. OK, this is what we're in for. And then that whole middle portion with the terrible backstory with the dad and the fucking phone (laughs) (laughs) that fucking phone oh my god dude and you got some gazer beam backstory of him before he was dead because we needed that and then um whatever (laughs) whatever the fuck else that like Yes, do it. That's the thing is like even though I didn't I care like the about Underminer bit. Too, I was glad that they did the Underminer. Yeah, I love the Underminer. Which by the way, he got away and like nothing happened after that, which is kind of annoying. He did. Like where's the Underminer, also, dude? Let him be the, the John main Ratzenberger girl. cameo. It was. Yeah. Yeah. They just start it right at the beginning like they did it up. I feel Are like we ready to vote yet? No. Oh. oh, well, I mean, we do have to figure out which movie's going to go up against our our Beauty and the Beast behemoth. 
I guess. But um, <laughs> I mean, we still have. We I feel like there's still a bit to talk about in both of these. There, there is. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. But um, yeah. The anyway, the Underminer should have been the main villain. Yeah. Of Incredibles two, I feel like that would have been a much stronger film. It would have been a lot more fun. Yeah. You, you could have taken it into so many creative directions as far as a villain who feels like the world has you know, lived above him. Remember he opens with that great monologue and it's cool. Mm. Well, I'm sorry. The film ends with his monologue and stuff, but you could still keep it with that. Well, yeah, but then I think it starts with that same monologue. It does. It does. Um, I, I just, uh, just what? screen slaver. Miss me with that, man. I get it. All right. I get it. I do technology. Ooh, bad. Move on. Come on. Give me something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it felt very kind of poignant with, uh, the parlance of our times. It does. And I, you know what's funny is with, like, everyone media. everyone shit on Brad Bird for being a little preachy with Tomorrowland. But I really enjoyed the optimism of that film. I where seen science it. fiction science fiction films have a tendency to be pessimistic and show like mm. the downside of human nature. Where Tomorrowland takes that positivity. It's like, no way, man. Artists and creatives can totally do this. We can band together. Like I like I, that. But this is literally Brad Bird in Incredibles 2 with the mm. screen slaver shit and all that other stuff, being a little too preachy with the storytelling to where it's so fun fact i actually sat next to i think it was like the locations manager for tomorrowland on a plane like at one point like while that movie was still in production or in pre-production yeah yeah that was the story (laughs) i thought you were saying like hey we talked about this and it was pretty cool well no i like i I mean, that was like at the beginning of me ever doing any kind of movie stuff. So I didn't know like what to talk to him about. He saw that I was using like a, a shot listing app on my iPad. He's like, oh, yeah. what's that you're doing? I'm like, oh, it's this. And he's like, oh, uh, I'm a location manager for this movie. And I was like, that's cool. That is cool. And then man. I didn't know what to say after that. Hey, man. Anyway, so back to Incredibles 2. What did you guys think of the new supers that they showed? Meh. Meh? You didn't like uh, Acid Reflux Man? Nope. <laughs> nope. Or Owl Man? Nope. I liked, uh, dude, when Frozone, when Frozone got the goggles on him, I was sad. Yeah, that really broke my heart. Yeah. It was it was really sad. But like I said, the sequence with him versus all of them in that house before he gets the goggles on. Oh my gosh, it's so awesome. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's really thrilling. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, the way- when I mean the Incredibles are actually fighting and not yeah. fighting each other and dealing with like the family drama bullshit. I'm like, this is awesome. Yay. Well, when she's stopping the train, when she's, uh, when she's flying the ambassador and the helicopter, those cool looking like futuristic Chrome jet helicopter things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like those looked awesome. That whole flight sequence looked awesome. It did. You know, what's funny too, is it, 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 became very apparent to me that Incredibles 2 did not want to stray into Marvel's Civil War territory with with heroes versus heroes. They didn't really want too much of that, so they kind of contained it to very select scenes. But in my eyes, I was like, yeah, but you you have pure animation. And Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is physics does not matter. You have a character who can create portals, and you have a, a one guy who can like crush things, and you have another yeah, the guy. Yeah, stuff I thought was like, really interesting. That's what I mean. Because you're I able to like, break the rules of Newtonian space, and and that's what I mean. You just you barely scratch the surface yeah. of what you could do. You could have really cool action sequences, 
you, I mean, like literally the sky's the limit. And instead we get a couple of cool little tense sequences with Violet who can create force fields versus the girl mm-hmm. who can create portals on, but like, it's very quick. And it, yeah. it, and as you said, Zach, you could tell Brad Burr's trying to make a spy film with superhero stuff in it, but it also restricts him in that kind of way. Because once again, the, the villain's weak. So all your cool stuff, like perfect example, be- best example I can give you guys is Jack Jack's on the bridge with all the other supervillains or whatever, mm-hmm. and like he he takes the 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 goggles off his mom, and then you get a cool little skirmish on the bridge of the of the boat, and then that's it. That's literally it. And then it's just about she's already on the plane fighting the main villain, kind of, and the, you know the villain's monologuing again, which is funny because the film all. The, the film beforehand, The Incredibles first one, always made a big stink about villains not monologuing and like it was very self-aware. This time we have the villain literally monologuing to her about shit and I'm like, okay, all right, I got it. And it's fucking, all right. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too pessimistic. I, I should watch it again, but I've, I've watched it now three times and each time I'm just like, looks cool, feels cool, not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But you've set the bar too high for yourselves. This is not it. Like Incredibles 2 should have been – honestly, the script should have been rewritten. <laughs> it probably it's was. Like another Usually these order. movies go through like five rewrites. Yeah. It's another like Pixar movie where I already said for like Toy Story 4 where mm-hmm. I like was super excited to watch it. I watched it and I was like happy about it. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, oh, it wasn't that good. Well, and like it's hard too because Incredibles 1 I feel like is very, very close to just an absolute perfect movie Uh huh. in everything that it is. It's just – it's so close and you have – I feel like you get more of the James Bond spy stuff like when he's on the island by himself and he goes into that room and you have like the darkest – one of the darkest scenes in any Pixar movie. Yeah. When – he those globby globs are all shot on him. Uh-huh. And it is, I mean, both of these movies do have really cool, like weird Bond villain tech stuff that's going on. Like you get this big hand fancy hydrofoil cruise line yacht boat thing, and those cool helicopters and stuff, and all the weird, like the underminers giant drill machine. And all just all of these cool, fun set pieces and things to look at, and yep. their powers and everything. The 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 bike scene with the uh, with the oh. train, the yeah, hover train, or whatever the bike it was. Like splits apart, and she uses yeah. her powers. And that's a cool train. thing with someone that has like that power to have this snappy bike. Oh, dude! And yeah. like with any other character, that bike wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. But when she has like this slinky dog power, yeah. the bike, you can do all of this extra stuff with the bike that looks really cool in those sequences and the right. stuff with the car and all of – there's just a lot of – You know what's funny though? Really cool Bond moments in this. But you know what's funny, Zach, and I'm glad yeah. you brought it up is because here's here's the best thing I can say. The best comparison I can make is that, that chase sequence with the train and everything like that is really mm-hmm. cool. But you could tell that it's it's all flash and not a whole lot of substance. What I mean by that is the comparative comparing superhero chases, and obviously this is live action, it's not animation, but just hear me out as far as characters yeah. chasing something needs to stop something. 
you're looking at the Dark Knight and the reveal of that of that bat cycle and how it came to be. You're, it begins one way. And once again, yes, you guys, I'm going to do it. Action sequences have three acts. Really good action sequences always break it down running, into three acts. Yeah. So the point is, is it, you have all the flash and pizzazz of the Batmobile getting blown up by a fucking bazooka and then Batman literally has to do this. But there's a sense of urgency because the fucking Joker just – can't not be like he just can't be contained dude we i mean like literally what the it, it we all remember when the the strings go up on the buildings or i'm sorry the cables and like it brings down the helicopter but literally it's you just get this sense of like dude there's nothing this crazy motherfucker hasn't got a plan for this is nuts and batman's last ditch effort he doesn't have a plan and then like you get all the cool shots of him blowing up cars to try and like get through traffic but there's a sense of urgency because we know now that like harvey dent is quite literally about to lose his life if jokers and get there and like it there's a really cool sequence you know of where they finally face off you know what i mean where the now batman's finally in front of that damn truck and he does that last little thing where he shoots the cables in, ties it around, then it's a cool flip on the building. So you get all the cool visuals, but there's a sense of like, ah, oh, awesome. But then it's not over. Joker gets out of the fucking truck and we or yeah, out of the semi. And like there's the whole thing where he's telling him to hit him and stuff. So even then, Joker's got the one up on him. You get none of that sense of urgency, <laughs> finality, confrontation, none of that kind of highs and lows and none of that sense of a three act structure with this sequence. Instead, you get that little bit where mm-hmm. – uh, Dash is on the, the the phone for half a second, like, Mom, I'm looking for something. And it's meant to be like a cute thing where Mom's at work, you know, stop calling her yeah. at work. But it just feels a little shoddy. It doesn't – there's not like a real sense of, oh, my God, I have to stop this. And uh, I don't I know. I think it is it? like hard to compare a Pixar movie to Dark Knight. You can't really even compare like <laughs> – I'm comparing oh, filmmaking oh. and pacing in action sequences when you're talking about a chase and I use the visual of a character on a fucking bike, Matt. Thank you for just uh, – No, you I'm, I'm saying you can't even like probably compare an MCU movie to Dark Knight. Like it's like it's on a league of its own. <sighs> But yeah. um, there's a style at which is at play when you're talking about a character needs to accomplish a task. Yeah, I think it was more comparing uh, talking about action sequences than a direct comparison between them. Correct. Was, yeah, and that's, that's just an That's my whole point. If you need I me to compare that. action sequences, then like that are compared as far as like from Incredibles 1 to Incredibles 2, you could go with even when they get on the island and – um, what am I trying to say here? When the kids are being chased by all the bad guys and oh, Dash, yeah, and the weird like hover pod things, right? The hover pod chase, especially with Dash, like he's untested yeah. and he hasn't really been able to fully use his powers ever. And he so, discovers that he can run on water. Like, yes, a, and you get that great fucking that pause, dude. Yeah. There's no music. There's just the sound effect of his feet on the water, and then he giggles, and the music. Yeah, just and then you get the dude. Tell me right now, Zach. Just right now, did you ever get? One moment of that in Incredibles 2. Um, Maybe during the action, just not that extreme. No, the, the answer is no, Matt. No. Yeah, I don't think okay, there's anything as Are powerful. you guys ready to vote? We're like almost an hour in and we haven't even... <laughs> 52 well, we minutes gotta, in. Yeah. So what, Matt? Stop counting the time. We're, we're probably closer. I'm just like done. I've, I've said all I wanted to say. All right. <laughs> it's 1037. 
You vote for who cares? Stop telling the time while we're recording. Yeah, anyway. didn't you want to start late? I'm okay with starting late, but I'm not okay with like let's go look at okay how much we face. let's how what? That's right. I'm not okay it, with your face. Let's go see how much we talked about Big Hero Six versus whatever movie it came up against. <laughs> that, that was like thirty minutes between the two of them. Well, those were smaller movies. Yeah. This space, man. This comes from Monsters Monsters and Incredibles are they come from they come from higher stock than Big Hero Six. That's right. <laughs> you shut your beautiful mouth, you say Big Hero <laughs> Six was like the weirdest movie ever because I watched like three fourths of it and then I yeah. watched it again. And then I'm pretty sure, like, I didn't even catch the plot. Like, I guess the professor, like, was alive the whole time. But, like, during the review, <laughs> I thought he was still dead, like, when we were doing it. What? <laughs> so, <laughs> what so the, the professor was the bad guy at the end? Yeah. Oh, well, I thought he died. Yeah, we all thought that he died. It's because, like, I went, like, year, like a year, like literally a year without like completing it. Oh, so I didn't even know who that guy was. I didn't know. <laughs> and we reviewed the movie, and Matt found out later, like after we finished recording. What? Oh, that's what we were talking about. Yeah. Oh my god. I think it was when I like listened to the recording. I'm like, oh, I guess the professor didn't die. Oh lord. Holy Are you ready shit. to vote, guys? Yeah, I know you are. You vote first, Matt. Yeah. Give us vote. your vote. Yeah, Matt, give us your vote. M- Monsters, you. Sweet. Okay. All right. Well, you want to give us your vote? Oh uh, yeah, it's definitely Monsters, you over incredible. All oh, right, that makes me feel really happy because uh, I too am going to vote for Monsters, you over Incredibles too. Both are great oh. films. I just felt like Monsters U was way more relatable and just felt like a more human story. Like you could relate to it. They weren't these super Stop saying superhuman a movie beings. about me- monsters is more human. Well, it is more human. I mean, Will, can you disagree with that? Uh, I mean, I I didn't get that sense, but I I appreciate you that you, you didn't felt feel that like... way about it. it. It it has a really great theme and an element to it that is definitely relatable. So yeah, I yeah, that's agree what I mean by that. that. Like yeah, everything that Mike and his team went through felt like like things that we've all gone through and been Absolutely. through and dealt with. Yeah, and like insecurities that we all face. Where you can't necessarily say the same about, oh, these superheroes, like their rights are kind of being infringed, but not well, really to be because fair, they're superheroes. To, to be fair, Incredibles 1 definitely had more human relatable elements to it. Yeah. Two, it it fell, it flew off. The I, think it, I think it was the pacing that Incredibles 1 was just so good. Incredibles 1 was so well paced. And they're gonna, it's going to go up against Finding Nemo. So, oh wow! Uh, in the next that's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's I'm going to have to watch Finding Nemo again. Like it's it's going to be yeah. tough. All right, guys, I'm ready to talk about my my favorite Howard Ashman film ever. I know it had different directors, but let's be honest, Howard Ashman pretty much is the heart and soul of this film. And is he? I feel like none of us are qualified to uh, to state that. 
I think I'm definitely qualified. Having no care. involvement in the production whatsoever. That's a we lot. Were, we were all like two when the, when did this come out? I'm involved in the production. I was of negative media. one. Oh, whatever. Negative one. Negative one. All right. So, Monsters okay. U versus Beauty and the Beast. Who would have thought? Guys, can I can I start out my shitty notes? Yes. <laughs> Always, Matt. My first note is music. I don't know what I meant about it. That maybe, it's classic. Maybe, maybe I was thinking about the Madonna song about music makes the no. people come together. Oh, the yeah. song from the end of Voices starring Ryan Reynolds? No, guys, I was just joking. But the music is spectacular. Yeah. What's your favorite song? Uh, I like the first song. Bell? The one that Bell sings in the uh, town. I think that's that might be one of the best. Uh, it's so many. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. let's do a top three. Yeah. I can't. I can't. They're all too great. I seriously, dude. Because catch me at any point in time where Gaston yeah. song. Is Gaston's song is pretty fun it. too. But then and also, Kill the Beast is kind of. See, that's fun. what I was gonna say. Someone starts singing Kill the Beast, and I'm be like, oh my god! And then someone plays, you know, Beauty and the Beast, the actual title song. I'm be like, yeah. man, just like, Beauty and the time. Beast is like the probably. God, I don't want to say the word anymore because I say it too often. But oh, most boy. iconic song. Oh. No, Beauty and the Beast. More iconic than out. A Girl Worth Fighting For? Yes. Well, no, it's the most iconic song. Well, A Girl Worth Fighting For isn't probably the most iconic song in Milan. That would be. I feel like it is. Uh, well, that's to you, and fair no, enough. That's everybody true. talks about the let's get down to business. To I mean, that one's pretty good. I mean, like, no, between us, you guys, I'll go ahead and say right now, Reflection is easily the iconic song. No. Well, for Matt, I think it's, uh, what is it? Ancestors. This is what you can be to work with. Yeah. Ancestors. How do we go to Mulan? Can we talk about how it asks this masterpiece, please? This is what I'm waiting for. This is what's broken my heart about the fact that we haven't been able to talk about this movie yet. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast, to me, is perfection personified it's like the the hand of god came down blessed howard ashman with beautiful music <laughs> and for me it was kind of meh what's okay really? oh my god i think it's like the perfect princess fairy tale story like it's it has flaws and i want to go yeah. on about there are no flaws what i flaws? feel like it's a little bit dated I, no, I no. do want to go on about the flaws. There, there are flaws with your flaws. What? The beast. <laughs> There's well, literally not one. The movie's too goddamn short to have a flaw. Number so, one, all perfection. Literally, I don't know. I feel like Beast's character is kind of a kind of a like. Oh my fuck god! Boy. No, there's not one character. That is wasted because all of it adds to a terrific pace of a film, even down the to the opening sequences with her dad, because it establishes that kind of scariness of the beast, which leaves you to like actually believe that this guy is definitely a threat to Belle in the beginning, yeah. which is really great. It sets up that suspense. And then you find out that he's literally just a man child and you get that perfect perfect voice animation even the way they kind of distorted his voice every line delivery do you want to stay in the tower oh so great or just perfect examples now it's become memeable with with parents having to tell their children to just find you know, and starve yes it's, <laughs> every, every element of this film is wonderful it is so romantic in the best sense 
because even the fact that he hides the flower, tells her don't go in the West Wing. And of course, we know she's going to go in the West Wing. Dude, we all love Martin Sheen. But even though we know it's going to happen, it it, it just surprises us with the level of emotion that comes involved, where so, it's not just – go ahead, go ahead. No, Will, I, 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 like, I think it's like the perfect like princess movie. Like, it's just, like, the plot, but there are, like, slight flaws in it. Yeah. But uh, I, I do want to, since you don't want to rank the songs, I wanna, I'll want to. i discuss it with Zach. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think there's so many good songs. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like a good discussion with those songs. Like, uh, I guess, I, I think I do like Belle as, as like, my favorite. Like just because of how long it is and how it introduces like the oh is that the name of the song yeah it's called Bell yeah that opens the film where they're like bonjour yeah Yeah. and like the original version that I heard so I I I actually watched the live action version before I watched the animation oh oh, I'm okay with the live I only watched it once I was like happy with it I didn't think it was amazing but I was okay with it we've got to we've got to analyze we've got to look at the live action films no we don't we can't talk about it anymore not after Aladdin what well no I feel like it's worth discuss that was Tim Burton right what no no it was uh Bill Dumbo. And it was terrible. Oh, he did Dumbo, right. Uh, I mean, I was okay watching it. I think like uh, like maybe having uh, Emma Watson yeah. play Belle. Like, like they probably should have got some Broadway, like a Broadway actress to do it. That well, Broadway, because- Broadway people don't have the same poll that. Hermione Granger. Actually, there's has. a great. But they're like, all like Broadway people. Like all the people that are there are Broadway people. Like no, no, no. I'll have to send you guys a link. There's a great video that shows that they did pitch correction. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I watched that. And on, yeah. you find out that actually she had the chops. She did everything she was supposed to do. It would have been fine, but I don't know why Disney just didn't trust it or whatever. It was just studio managed to death. So that was the only yeah. issue. So no, her her performance was fine. Everything was fine. The film in and of itself is too fucking long. It has too many unnecessary things. And Disney was just trying to score points as having LeFou be gay. And it was so, <laughs> it was so empty-handed because trust me when I say, like, I'm all for representation, but it's it's just an empty gesture. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't yeah. change anything about him or the plot, or it, it doesn't matter. You don't even Well, well, maybe it doesn't about. matter to you because you're not gay. And oh, you're used Lord to having characters of your sexuality <laughs> oh, represented Lord. in I film. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. No one thinks that. No one. I prom. I'll tell you what. I will go ahead and text every single one of my LGBTQ plus friends, and they will tell you. That, uh, it did, that, no. Yeah. No. Do it do, right now. Do it right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna do it. Text one at least. We've got to get one. We've got to get a confirmation. Oh my god! Oh no! Do Wes. Wes always answers. Are you just gonna call him? Like to to make. (laughs) I should call him actually to make sense of what Will's trying to say. Like there was like a big hype about, oh he's gay, he's gay, he's gay, and then I watched the movie and I'm like, 
I don't really notice anything different. Like well, that's good. That means progress. Because <laughs> really, there's not a whole lot different well, between it, being no, gay. It's like and the being same straight. thing. It, like, like they turn a man crush in the animation film into like a real crush, but like you can't really tell. But it's like the little short midget guy. Well, like in the guest on song, everyone was basically stuck in his dick. Yeah. Nobody. Something like Gaston or does this. So there was an episode of House of Mouse where they like beat that joke to death, which House of Mouse, for those of you that don't know, was a show in like the early mid 2000s, the mid aughts, where uh, Mickey and Donald ran like a nightclub that would that had like a cabaret show and all of the Disney characters would be in there. You'd have Hades from Hercules and um, like Triton from Little Mermaid. How Just many like all of them. did they have? Because I, I watched like the Halloween one and I thought it yeah. was just like a one-off, but did they have like a lot of- No, it was like a show, but they would intersperse it with like cartoon shorts that they would watch like on stage and then there'd have be like bits of backstage of like Mickey and Goofy. That would be fun to watch. It was like the the shorts that they would do. I remember them like not being that great, but like having every Disney property in there. It was like the Harvey Birdman of Disney characters. So to just have all those characters in there and be able to have all these weird scenes and situations. Like there was one where uh, the Gaston one where like every two minutes, anytime someone said something, Gaston would just pop up and be like, nobody does this like Gaston. And then he would do the thing and look like a jackass. <laughs> He's like, no one breaks leg like Gaston. When Mickey's like, break a leg out there. I think we're not talking about the movie. <laughs> we're not. But we're talking about Gaston, which is the probably... Well, in his defense, my next note is literally just Gaston. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what I tried to say about Gaston because it was so Dude, long there's ago. so much to kind of unpack with this character and also not a lot. He's he's as surface level of a character as you can have. And I love the fact that he's a completely different art style than every other character in the movie. Oh, my God. So my friend Wes, who openly gay, terrific human being. I love him Way to, to death. dox him. He's right here. Um, he says, I asked him, I said, doing a live debate um, for LeFou uh, from the live action Beauty and the Beast needs you to answer a question. Did LeFou being gay, a gay character matter or did it feel like pandering from Disney? He says it felt like a small, unimportant gesture. Ooh, now now text Tyler. Well, I, I was going to text Tyler. Don't <laughs> he's going to be. Wait, then you also have to text a straight person for a baseline. What? I am a straight person for the baseline. Well, you've got to have an independent party. No. I say no. I mean, Will, that's not how science works, my man. He says, I don't know. I'm so used to having zero representation. I accepted the scraps. That's what he said. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well. So so it sounds like to me. What are we going to have our first like, gay Disney movie? Where it's like a gay couple that we focus on. Well, there was a gay couple in Star Wars canonically, and Star Ooh. Wars uh it was in one of the one of the animated series. It was in Star Wars Resistance. It was Orca and I think his name was Flix. Yeah. Who uh was played by Jim Rash, who was the dean in community. 
Okay. Yeah. So that's like a little bit of a like deep dive in there. So there is a canonically gay Star Wars couple. Okay. So uh, music. <laughs> the music. Um, well, wait. Did we want to talk more about Gaston? Well, I want to go back to the music before we go to Gaston. Like, okay, okay, good. Because I'm I'm game for any of it. I will say this: Gaston, oh, the voice actor, the he's amazing. I love him. Yes, uh, yes. Richard White. He, oh God, he's so great. All right, go ahead. Go to the music. We're, we're fine. Let's go. Let's go to your notes. Do you want to do a top three songs, Zach? Because we'll let's do it. Do How, it. Have we still not done that? Jesus, no. we haven't even talked about be our guest. By the way, which is like, oh shit, I completely forgot about hey, that. One. Will, that's my word. That's all I ever say in every episode. Everything's iconic because I have no vocabulary. That's right. all I repeat. Iconic. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Wes has one more button to push on this because it's great. Yeah. I love what he said. He goes, but it definitely was the calculated effort Disney could put forward to try and add some diversity and not upset the 40% of dreadful people in this country that would have gone nuts with anything further than that. Minimal effort to protect profit. Thank you, Wes. I'm going to text him back. I love him. Uh, well, but you won't sleep with him. Yeah, Will. Him and his fiance. Don't text this me. Gonna, this could be our next episode. Is how I cheated on Matt. I don't care. Will and Wes just having sex, and we just hear the audio, and then Will good we'll, now. I'm not gay, but I will <laughs> sleep with Matt. I that will predict the. <laughs> no, I, I've I've been I've been known to to swing whichever way I please. I don't. I won't say that I'm completely straight. I just I just can't help myself that I really I really like women. What can let's I say? talk about uh, let's talk about <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, huh? So, Matt, these top three songs. Yeah, I I think I have to put Bell. Like I I know yeah. that's not like the popular one, but I I just like just how long it is and all the like the characters that it introduces, and then I think Gaston has to be on it. Yeah, and, like, I feel like Beauty and the Beast is like a great song, but but it's no be our guest. I don't know. Like be our guest is so like overplayed and like yeah, Gaston because it's definitely so, has like the energy it. in it is so good and kill the beast. <sighs> and then there's, there's oh. also the maybe there's something that there wasn't there before. Yeah. Yep, uh, something uh, there. That, I think that's what it's called. It's literally yeah. just something there. This basically yeah. like solidifies that Bell is my favorite song, which is a very unpopular opinion. I no, believe. it's not. Are you kidding me? There's not one person who knows this film that yeah. if literally someone starts saying bonjour, 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 bonjour. There must and, like, be more than this provincial life. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure Beauty and the Beast won an Oscar. Like the song. Did it? Yes. I'm pretty sure. Well, like, I think they're only able to submit one song, right? Hold on. They won. I'm trying to look on their IMDb. Where do you see like awards? I know it's on there. Speaking of Emma Watson, I feel like we should do a uh, Oscar Harry Potter bracket. Two Oscars. Go ahead. Best music and original song. Best music, original score. It was nominated for best picture, best sound. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. And it won. It won uh, a Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture, Comedy, or Musical. 
Uh, Beauty and the Peace, best original song. It was actually nominated for Be Our Guest, Beauty and the Beast, and Belle. So I think the Oscars actually like determined our question. So I guess Be Our Guest, Beauty and the Beast, and Belle are the best songs, according to the Oscars. Yeah, I mean, but the Oscars also had fucking Annie Hall win Best Picture over Star Wars. So let's not act like they're the best ever. I don't, anyway. I don't know. I, I feel like Star Wars back then is like the equivalent of like the Avengers for us. Uh, no. Star Wait, Wars is what do you mean? I never watch Annie Hall, but I mean, they had like some weird scene with the lobster. I'm sure that. Like, no, won no. All the Annie Hall is. What is Annie Hall? It's not. No, it's a fucking um, Woody Allen Allen film and it won Best Picture. It was fine. It's not that great. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. Let's go back to Beauty and the Beast. Point is, Matt, if you feel like Belle is the best one, I'll go ahead and give that to you. I can't pick because honestly, every single one of the songs is just so integral to – the story to the characters. It probably should world, be our guest. Like, if you break it down, just because, like I, I think I understand what you're what you're trying to say, Will. Just because, like, every song is just so perfect in its own way and its own it's, situation. The film is so perfect. Yeah. See what I mean? Like, do you want me to, do you want me to bring up what I don't think is perfect and what, like my flaws? Like, cause I think I, I said before, it's like, like mm. even how it's structured is like the perfect princess film, like opening up with a book. Like this is like literally what Shrek parodied like back. Oh in the yeah, that's yeah. true. Because it was amazing when it opened up with the stained glass kind of opening yes. also. And it, it just it just let you know what you were in for. And it, it's so it's so romantic to the point where a film like The Notebook tries too goddamn hard. And it, it, it it's fine. It's meant to make everyone cry. And once again, I know I'm talking about live action. We're talking about animation. But the point yeah, there is no – singing teapots in the notebook yes but i'm just saying that the elements of romanticism are taken to such utter extremes and you just you just don't i don't know it never feels too sincere yeah well that's the 90s were like it's meant i know but it, it feels like it's literally trying to get you to cry whereas beauty and the beast by the time bell is weeping over the beast who has now been stabbed by gaston mm-hmm. and the beast has turned full circle i mean like guys I can't tell you as a kid, I fucking loved that shot because I was with him, dude, when Gaston storms into the room and he's just like, oh, I'm going to fuck you up, right? And he's going to get in there. He's got this beast and the beast. Yeah, Will's paraphrasing for those of you that haven't yes, seen Yes, obviously. And I'm going to fucking fuck beast. you up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will's version of the beauty of the beast. But like, just, just imagine a Disney hold on, movie. You guys, let me make my point because we're going off on shit. Hold on. Let me make my point. The moment that the beast sees him, he doesn't even react. He doesn't care. He just continues to stare out the window. He could care less about the tough guy shit. And that is just everything that I wanted to be as far as like a man. Because like, dude, you're just here Harry. to flex and I don't care. Yes, Harry, I'm, trust me. Kayla could tell you I'm definitely Harry. Um, I can but, tell you. But the moment that the beast actually awakens is when he literally says, you know, Belle will be mine and all that shit. And the beast is like, hold up, motherfucker. I know for a fact that this woman wants to be her own person. I don't it's not because the beast wants to be possessive of her, wants to like be her, the man in her life. 
he knows her. Like he loves her and he wants her to be free. So he just doesn't want to be a big fuzzy boy anymore. Yeah. Oh my God. No. He wants for to everyone in his palace her. to be inanimate objects. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Clearly inanimate object. The yeah. point is, is the beast awakens quite literally and literally fucks Gaston up until he sees that Belle came back to him. And then once again, he could care less about anything. He only cares about her. And it's beautiful. It is like it's earned. You believe it. It's amazing, dude. So, well, can I talk about my problems? Yes. Oh, my God. Talk about your problems. Well, me personally, I have I have a lot of problems. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. But, but we're not here to talk about my problems. We're here to talk yeah. about Beauty and the Beast. Um, yeah. And Monsters University. Yeah, yes. Monsters University and uh, Incredibles 2. May it rest well, we already talked about Incredibles 2. We eliminated it. But every time I watch the watch the movie, I I I don't know. It feels like <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. It doesn't feel like real love. Yeah, um, that's not healthy. So like does Belle <laughs> like actually fall in love with I think I watched the movie and I texted you guys and you didn't respond. And I was like, what if Belle was just in love with the beast creature and then the beast turned into the human and then Belle wasn't into it. Oh, Matt. Like, um, did Belle know, like, oh, I, I'm just going to love this personality and it's going to turn into a human? Or did Belle actually fall in love with a beast? She fell in love with who he was as a person. A kidnapper. Does Belle know that it's going to turn into a human? No, I don't think she cared at that point. That's why the spell was broken. Like, fell in love, love. Like, I want to marry. God, you guys are so pessimistic. Well, so I do have a question about this movie. So. Some so it starts out you have that like da na 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 and it's like oh he didn't let the beggar woman stay inside or give her food right so she turned into a pretty lady and was like fuck you now you're a fuzzy man and everyone in the palace or the castle is for everyone listening Zach is clearly uh, paraphrasing go on Zach fuck you <laughs> uh, everyone is now pots and pans and like furniture stuff and candles and feather dusters and so what was the time frame between that happening and everybody in this town forgetting that there's a castle like half an hour away yeah ridiculously close for a on foot or carriage ride kind of like close enough for a 15 minute scene of her dad like getting lost and then her i guess also getting lost by a bunch of wolves or whatever um, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that under the box of I don't give a fuck. Well, because you think there's this enchanted rose there too, and it's like, oh, the last petal is about to fall. What will we do? Oh no! Because I mean, in the beginning, like, uh, who is it? Cogsworth. He's like, oh, the first petal has already fallen. Oh no! So it's like, how long has this happened? Has it been like two weeks? Has it been like? I mean, how long does a rose normally last? Has it been? Doesn't matter. Like fourteen it's all hours. Magic. It doesn't matter. Nope, none of that matters. I've literally laughed so hard that my <laughs> headphones fell off. <laughs> but so, Matt, um, can you answer that question? What was the question? So, like, how? What's the what's the time window on the curse happening and Bell finding this castle and like everybody forgetting about this castle? What? 
See? See? Zach, you're alone. You're alone. What are you talking? Well, because she like curses them oh. and then nobody yeah. knows See, about this castle. The here's the thing. I'm going to go ahead and tell this right now. The film itself doesn't give a fuck about any of that. So you, as a viewer, also don't need to care. Because the point is... Wait, so you'll do that for Beauty and the Beast, but you won't do that for Incredibles 2? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, this sound, This feels a little... Uh... Well, Beauty and the right. Beast is like... A musical, like, number one. That's a like... Musical. Pop culture legacy right there, Beauty and the Beast. Incredibles well, 2. Anybody just remembers Incredibles, not Incredibles 2. No, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Because I see where Zach's going with this. Because the point is, is I made a big deal about the phone, the lack of logic, and the plot yeah. holes and things like that. Hear the movie me doesn't out. give a shit about the phone, so neither should you, Will. No, because here's the point. Check this out. Quite literally, the entire motivation of the villain in Incredibles 2 depends on her dad getting shot and killed because he spent too much time worrying about whether or not a, a superhero was going to answer the fucking phone when his dumb ass should have just got in the panic room or done something else. Like, it's, it, there's complete devoid of character logic, and it's just lazy writing. It's just not good. Like, anybody else looking at that would be You know what else is kind of devoid of character logic? Uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Oh, uh. <laughs> so in the story's defense it's like from the 1700s that's true yeah and the actual thing about it is literally every day he asks her to marry him at this long dinner table and each day she says no until i think there's like at one point he does some romantic gesture and she says yes like it's very wow boring. if only it fucking worked that french. way huh it's a it's an old french like folktale whatever anyway no no, because what you're doing right now is, once again, you're simplifying, like, oh, Stockholm Syndrome. Yes, we all know that. But the premise is that this girl who wanted to be free of this town and her, like, I guess you could quite literally say her expectations as to her gender role in whatever society was predicting for her, meets a man who also, for some reason, was forced into this kind of role of this arrogant prick. And then he paid the price for it. And here comes along a woman who says, no, I'm not going to do anything you tell me to do. I don't care. So he's forced to actually treat her with kindness and see her as a person. And he gives her this amazing library full of books that she's never even seen or thought of. Like, wow, this is so great. And he sees her as a person by the end of it. They connect as like two individuals and they see each other. Imagine and if so he just gave her Google. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Now, this has to be like the first show that I've actually done like drunk. <laughs> This is the uh, the last episode of the first round. Because it's so late, it's eleven p.m. Yeah, and we've you, never we've never started an episode. Usually, past, like, like I leave work and then come and then do the episode, and then I'm like, good. Well, I'm sorry, guys. Now I'm like we'll starting to feel it, and I'm packing for a vacation. But anyway, um, back to what I was saying about the characters connecting yeah. things like that. This is all so perfectly set up with, once again, all of the music and the, the, even the side characters, Lumiere and Cogsworth, Mrs. Potts. They're fun. They are such terrific, heartwarming characters, and they have great songs. But and I don't just, want to sleep in the cupboard, Mom. Right? I mean, it, the sincerity of each individual frame of this film, it just yeah. it leans into all the romanticism. And I'm not talking about just romantic like love as in, you know, hearts and stars and, you know, whatever. I'm talking about the, like 
the assumption of optimism for just any kind of human connection overall. I mean, even between Lumiere and Cogsworth, their relationship, it's, it's romanticized friendship. It's, you know, they bicker and, and blather, but at the end of the day, they really trust each other with their lives. Quite literally when one of the villains is trying to kill one of them, like all oh, of yeah. it writ large, the whole film. And that's what I mean about, you're not really concerned about the timeline of the curse and why the town doesn't even acknowledge that there's a fucking castle that's not that far. Like, how does no one know about this? Because the film is not operating in this kind of world of actual logic. It's 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 just it's bigger than life, and it's not really necessarily life, but it's it's done the right way with that absolute sincerity. And Howard Ashman. Are we sure that it's that close? I mean, the film certainly makes it seem like it's not that far away. But once again, yeah, I mean, maybe it, just it, like the final scene. Yeah. But also, the film is quite literally it's animation that is imitating a live action production of like a stage play because this is exactly the kind of pacing that you would have for this kind of musical to where characters just need to go somewhere. So you just cut to like dad on a cart with like some kind of fake horse thing traveling through a forest. Because Dude, that was such a cool moment and super it scared me as a kid. I was like, that's scary. <laughs> When the, well, the carriage you, just like, like breaks its legs open and just starts running. Dude, I'm not going to lie to you, man. As a kid, I'll never forget when Belle got away and she ran out the castle after he like, you know, you know, get out. And she, you know, she saw the West Wing and she's running and all the wolves come after her, dude. And it was fucking terrifying. And then that badass scene that always pumps me up, dude, is when the beast fucking grabs one of the wolves and just like roars in its face. That animation is life alteringly great when he's up against the wolves. It is so fucking badass. Like, I don't care. Like, dude, come on, man. Like, I know the film's all about hearts and stars and like lovey dovey shit, but when he's up against some wolves, that's some badass shit. And the music is terrific. It is amazing. Bar none. It is, ah, oh, so great. Immediately, you're like, yeah, like you, like anybody, like once again, it, it, anybody who watches that is just, like, damn, like a guy, you'd be like, dude, I want to do that for somebody I love. And the girls are like, I really hope a guy will be able to do that for me one day. Like, it's awesome. I love it. I love that sequence every time it's on. I love uh, it. Well, are you sure that that's what a girl would say? I have no idea. I have no idea. Oh, uh, you should call one and find out. All right. Hold on. I'll go yell for Kayla. Call Wes again. No. I'm not <laughs> I'll just yeah. yell for her. Are you guys call ready West. to vote? Well, we've got to we've got to confirm this. Wait, all right, so wait, I gotta I gotta yell for my girlfriend to come up here and give yeah. her, her two cents. All right, hold on guys. Yeah, we've gotta get we've gotta do the science. <laughs> <laughs> We're all about science here at the great movie all, showdown to yeah, scientifically get science. you the best movie. Hey. I was given my opinion on Beauty and the Beast, like when the Beast fights off the wolves for Belle after she ran away and stuff. And my opinion was like it was totally badass as a guy. And then I might have spoken out of turn saying girls totally would want a guy to do that for them. Is that necessarily true? You have to speak it into the microphone, by the way. Yeah. Oh, come here. You got you to gotta say it into the mic. <laughs> she said yes, but babe, they're not going to believe me. They didn't hear you. Yeah, we got to hear what? it. Just shout it from where you're at. They can hear me. Can we actually can't. Okay, you can. So say it louder, please, one more time for, oh for posterity. Oh, my mind. No, not okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I heard that. I heard her say no. Her. No, her initial answer was yes until I got on her nerves. I don't know, Will. No, the, the initial answer was yes. Guys, can I don't we know, Matt, What do you think? <sighs> Whatever. You guys get girlfriends and you confirm. I have a girlfriend. 
Well, ask call her. Name. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk to her. I'm here to not talk to her. <laughs> All right. Um, is there anything else to say about this film? No, it's perfect. It's amazing. Uh, there are also two two sequels, uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Enchanted Christmas, and Belle's Magical World. Oh, God, yeah, I wish they hadn't. How do those How do those stack up? Horrible. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. So I guess we could say Monsters, Inc. had better sequels, huh? Yes. But we're not yes. talking about Monsters, Inc. We're talking about Monsters, University. Cool. Are you guys ready to vote? Yes. I know what I'm voting for. I know you are. The best film in the Disney library. Oh, Lord. All right. Will, do you want to go first? Yes, I do. I want to go last. Oh, God. Because he's a swing vote, and this is going to terrify me because I see where this is going, and I don't like it. It's Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. I don't like this. I don't like this setup at all. All right. So I feel like the uh, the more progressive film, the more uh, the more relatable film, the uh, the film that I feel like is more accessible and takes accessibility into consideration and tells you that you can overcome your limitations and find a way around them, I believe is uh, Monsters University. And uh, Matt, so you remember Pocahontas, Matt? Yes. How would you like to make $10, Matt? I already put Beauty and the Beast in the spot. For the next round, like Why would you do 20 that, minutes man? ago, because I knew Why? I would vote for it, and I knew I would vote for it. Yeah, <laughs> oh. that's messed that's up, my Matt. Lover. That's that's the man that I love. After also, I put Pocahontas in for you, what? Also, what, Matt? I was about to say. Also, Will. Also, Will did the Tangled Toy Story one where I, I thought he was going to pick Toy Story 4 and I was so upset and then I was like trying to tell myself like well Toy Story 4 is going to lose to Beauty and the Beast and then Tangled went through yeah because man I told you give me give me a random day like right now I'm still in my Tangled mode I really love Tangled god I love that movie. I don't think anybody like maybe like 10% of the human population maybe 20% if you're being nice the population could say no, no could say that monsters university is better than beauty and the beast oh yeah definitely definitely I, I don't i don't know how any i feel like we would get i guess you could say like human rights violations if we actually went with monsters university over beauty and the beast we would, we would get protested what? on a national stage people well, would, no, would, actually they're <laughs> rated about the same I'm sure they are, but yeah. if we take it, they're almost the same. Oh, wait. Okay. Just like ask anybody about yeah. like <laughs> Beauty and the Beast and then ask them about Monsters University. Sorry, like, through Google users, they're the same. 92% liked Monsters U, 93% liked Beauty and the Beast. Let's, uh, let's check on Google, on the Google Trends. Google Trends oh, that Matt hates. <laughs> We're bringing it back. We've got a lot of move. We've got a lot of rounds that we didn't do Google Trends for. So let's uh, 
Matt and Let's his, catch back his up. Never ending, his never-ending love. Of I guarantee you, Incredibles 2 goes over Monsters U. Well, let's check that first. Monsters University. Oh. 2013 film. Oh, no. Monsters U is above Incredibles 2. How? I'm not surprised. It's, dude, like this graph, they cross over each other. Like it goes back and forth between the two of them. It's pretty competitive. I could see it. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I don't know. The more I think about it, the more that like Monsters U, I think more people like that film than they would readily admit until they actually watched it or had to compare it to. So this, this is interesting. Like it's just barely above it's Incredibles 229 monsters, U 38. But when I look at the breakdown for subregion for every state, every state is blue for month for uh, Incredibles two, except for Utah and North Dakota are red for monsters university. That's interesting. Yeah, somehow. Hey, hey guys, can I interrupt yeah. this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just received like a text message from uh, Will Goodnow. Yep. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, three minutes ago. It said, I will make out with you in public if you vote for Beauty and the Beast, and I will make sweet love to you. I can't believe Will thought I wouldn't vote for Beauty and the Beast. Dude, I was Matt. just going to make sure. <laughs> Dude, Matt, come on. You know I was lobbying hard for Monsters U. Yeah, Monsters U is good, but Beauty and the Beast. God yeah, that. well. It's top five Disney. That might be top five Disney of all time. I Yeah, Dude, I, I would say so. Dude, I voted through Pocahontas for you. I'm just saying. I let, hey. you, use your, uh, let you use your <laughs> Trump Trump vote. And Pocahontas will probably you didn't even watch the movies. That was like the most terrible round ever. Hey, but I still put your movie through. I never even finished that episode. If I would have watched the movies, the other one probably would have went through. So I really did you a solid there. Yeah, you put Pocahontas through just so it could lose to the next in the next round. Well, maybe you should have put Incredible or the Monsters You and so that it could uh, lose in the next round too. I don't know. It probably could have beat Tangled. Probably could have, but we'll never know now. And now all of those those poor little excessive, accessible babies aren't going to have a movie that accurately represents them in the next round. It's <laughs> hmm. tragic. I'm just happy that Beauty and the Beast gets to... Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Great Movie Showdown. Oh, man, what a great, what a great showdown it was. And now um, I'm feeling pretty down. But anyway, don't forget to uh, we're we're back uh, we're back to episodes every week now, um, every Thursday. Follow us on the, the Great Movie Showdown Twitter, and uh, tell us tell us which of these movies you thought should have won, and uh, tell tell Matt that maybe uh, Monsters U is a better movie than Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Yeah, tell us tell us how your brackets would fill out. We what we need to do is get like an actual image of our bracket so that people can like follow along at home. I think I gave you guys an image of the bracket, but you just like chose to ignore it. No, I'm saying for the Twitter, dude, for the Twitter. 
Send me a picture of like the entire bracket as far so I can post it on my uh, Instagram as well. Yeah, we just, well, we we all have access to it. It's just like a Google Excel file. <laughs> but it's not like in a pretty way to like show to people. Yeah, we got to set it up all pretty. Like, okay, yeah. well, then maybe I'll make up something then I'll do it myself. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Great Movie Showdown. Next week, we uh, we jump into the second round Ooh. with Toy Story 3 versus Monsters, Inc. Two Randy Newman scored films. Oh, makes sense. They're both Pixar. Yeah. Just an ant. No one cared. Who gives a shit? <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Dude, we gotta do Bugs Life versus Ants. We really do. We need to revisit a Bugs Life just so we can talk about Ants. That that yeah. very weird movie. See, whenever we do the one-off ones, they don't seem like as important. They get like twice the number of listens as the bracket ones. It's just because of Blake Smith. This has been a nice throw production. Nice throw, Matt. <laughs>